guys, welcome. We've got uh, Colin Creech, who's a, uh, a good personal friend. He is a uh, force recon marine, still in the Marine Reserves, uh, self-proclaimed failed base jumper. Yes, but you say it's self-proclaimed. It's, it's. I mean, the, it, it, I mean, it's pretty clear that, it, that I'm a failed base jumper. Um, I definitely can say that I've done base jumps since my my big. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a failure. Learning experience that uh, was very. Uh, painful but also a growth experience at the same time right and it's kind of great when you get those right because it's oh well i didn't die but i can do things a lot better next time if i ever go back into that endeavor so yeah it also reinforces your mortality uh oh it's very clear yeah oh yeah (laughs) it did uh i've got a very similar experience um can you also say where you work or is that Privileged information. I, I, yeah, I would say that I, I work, you know, for a Fortune 40 company that's, uh, you know, focuses in the pharmaceutical and biotechnology space, um, specifically focused on human capital. Um, so that's that's my day job. And then uh, a lot of the things that, you know, I've been partnering with you on and all my pursuits outside of work, you know, are, are I would say, really my passion areas, too. I, I love my job. I love what I do. But, you know, it's also at the end of the day with life, like, what impact am I making outside of, you know, also earning a living and, and having a career that I am passionate about, but I want to do more. You know, I just spoke at a conference. It's a, the mental health conference yeah. association or something like that in, uh, in <laughs> or something like that in Kansas city, but uh, mo- mostly uh, mental health companies. Um, and I said, one of the things about human resources, because again, talent words about human resources. I said, I really dislike the name human resources. Yeah. When I think human resources, I think like a, a generalist who handles yeah. pay benefits, things like that. It's, it's, you said the human capital piece of it. It's, it's the, so when you have a CHRO, again, a title I dislike, I like chief talent officer, chief people officer. It's reinforcing that we're all about human capital. We have a talent mindset. We believe in uh, people are our greatest strength. Um, You went through the the leadership development program, which is competitive to get into with this organization. And they put you in pretty much every department they want you to touch. Yeah, you know, I think it's I think it's extremely the way the way that my company does it is just amazing because I think there's a stat that you know vet, veterans getting out of the service they end up leaving their first job out of the military in the corporate world within the first six months, and so you know with my company and what I think with a lot of that comes to is you get out and you're like I'm going to do this and you're like I don't like this yeah. and then you got to go figure out something else and so the the program that I went through um, a military veteran leadership development program you, it's an 18 month program three six month rotations and in some ways you almost have free reign to say, I want to try this. I want to try that. I want to try this. And I think that's where you see, you see like, you know, a much stronger retention rate with people that come through this program. Cause yeah. it's like, I was able to find what I thought I would want to, what I, what I could see myself doing for my initial parts of my career. Surprisingly for me, you know, doing something in supply chain, doing something in pharmaceutical marketing and then doing something in HR. I was like, Oh, I, I'm a force recon Marine that I really like HR. You know, I think part of it was the culture. Part of it was just incredible leaders. And I was like, I guess I'm going to do this. And uh, it, I've had a blast and a lot of growth ever since. Did that shock a lot of leaders? They're like, you, you want to go HR, not? Oh, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Specifically on, like, the commercial general management side, they're like, HR. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like it. I was like, I don't think this this person's, like, really feeling it. But I was like, hey, you know, you got to do what, what you like and what works for you. So, yeah. Yeah. We, we, we need more programs like that. There, yeah. there were quite a few programs like that in the 80s, 90s. Yeah. You know, PepsiCo had a, had a, a yeah. big one. Uh, of course, you guys have, you know, sustained uh, the program. I, yeah. I, those are, are great it. programs. Yeah. Well, uh, really quickly, where were yeah. you born and raised? 
And what led you into the uh, the Marine Corps post uh, post high school? Yeah, absolutely. So I was born and raised in Dallas, Texas, just just north of Dallas, Texas. Um, you know, growing up, you know, I, I had a I had a really awesome upbringing. Uh, you know, I live in an area that's you know is is very safe, very sheltered, in a good way. And and I was you know playing tennis in high school. I hated contact sports. I was just all the things that you wouldn't expect for then somebody to go do something. And and I think it was uh, more or less the end of my junior year in high school, beginning of my senior year in high school. I was thinking like, oh no, like, am I going to be kind of this, this kind of individual the rest of my life, like just scared of all these things. Um, and so I was, uh, no offense if anybody listening to this is in the army, but I went to an army recruiter. I think I was about to sign a national guard contract and somebody made a joke to me. Uh, my, my dad did actually, he was never been in the military and he was like, you know what army stands for? I was like, no, he was like, aren't ready for Marines yet. And I was like, <laughs> oh no, like my dad who's never been in the military he, you know, shoot, shooting, shooting a shot. And I was like, well, I can't do that, I guess now. So then next thing I was going to the Marine recruiter, I was like, nobody really, people talk crap on the Marines, but all the jokes, you know, back at, at the end of the day is like, these guys are hard. And so, you know, I signed up for an infantry open contract and I, and I was like, okay, I'll do four years, like four really hard years. And then I can be lazy the rest of my life. Uh, little did I know that, you know, all the things that I learned throughout those four years really set me up, honestly, on just a completely different a different journey that I could have never imagined. You know, it wasn't just four years. I ended up doing a total of seven years on active duty uh, and then about another six in the reserve, some kind of, you know, mixed time. So not only just one deployment, ended up doing a four deployments total, um, ended up getting my degree online at the same time. And I just kind of continued to just see like, oh, I can, I can do more. I can do more. And I also saw the benefit of education. I think going into it, they're like, you know, free college, this and that. I was like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. But then after I was like, oh, I think in education – is definitely going to help set me up for, for success. But I kind of want to continue to do both at the same time. So I can tell you there was times on my second and third deployment, I'd do homework until like 9, nine or 10 at night, then wake up at 4 a.m., do a little bit more homework until we had this, you know, start doing the things we need to do for the day and then rinse and repeat. And I, I still to this day don't really know how I did it, you know, being younger, probably more testosterone and all the other things too. But I was just committed to being like, I got to, do, I got to crush and do a good work in my job, my job with the Marine Corps on this deployment, but I've got to get this education out of the way as well. West Coast, East Coast. Uh, so I went, uh, you know, for the Marine Corps, I went boot camp, and then I went to the basic reconnaissance course on the West Coast, and then I was stationed. My first uh, first duty station was Second Recon out of, on the East Coast, Cambridge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good, just great leadership in the Marine Corps. I mean, what what, what impressed uh, you to stay for for seven years? Yes. Yeah, so, so you know. I actually was very fortunate to have good and bad leaders, you know, and I think mm -hmm. that's everywhere. I think sometimes people see the, the military and there's this like, oh, like stigma is like everybody knows how to lead and everybody knows how to do this. But actually I thought kind of the, the you know, the executive, you know, leadership probably certificate I got, I walked away from with the Marine Corps was I like this leader. I like this trait of this leader. I want to do that. I see this leader as like, I don't want to be anything like this person, you know, and I, I think it was a really good foundation to just also see like, you know, cause I, I think a lot of us, there's probably things that we're really good at and that's what we do. But I think there's other things where you observe and you're like, how can I bring more of that into my life? And I, and I think it's a, one of those trial and error things too. I, I think there was times when I was a people leader too, where I was like, Oh no, like that probably wasn't the right approach at work, but like I didn't have, I wasn't bringing into some of those leadership positions what I would have wanted to, and it's just continuing to grow and iterate. I think some people just get stuck, and that's that's their limit. But um, I, to me, at the end of the day, I think my my biggest like experiences in life have always come through. How do I get better? How do I refine this? How do I grow? 
I think, especially on the leadership side. And, I, and, I, and just, you know, having that ability, this is something I've been doing more and more, is like when I don't know something, say I don't know it, but also surround yourself with people that probably do know that, you know, to get out of that groupthink mentality and fill your gaps with just awesome people that are on your team. That's probably one of the least seen things by people that never served in the military is that actually we, we tell you, hey, if you don't know, just simply say you don't know. It's okay. Yeah. No one's no, no one's uh, passing judgment. Well, yeah. I mean, they say we're, we're going to make comments. Stupid questions, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Just stupid people. Yeah. Um, you know, the, it's a, it's amazing the ability of, you know, I, I say the Marine Corps, the military yeah. as a whole, to spark something in young kids, young men and women, and completely transform them. And in large part, that is, uh, you know, I, what I, I say, a, a form of behavioral modeling or observational learning is when you work for great leaders, yeah. you're like, oh, the bar just raised. Yeah. And I'm going to em- emulate them and how they do things. And, yeah. and it really is, you know, was it, I'll show you. Yeah. And then do, do as, do as I do. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I just, I, funny enough, I just linked up with uh, my first platoon sergeant. Nice. Uh, yeah. Staff Sergeant uh, Eddie Ford. Nice. And he wrote a book called uh, Postcards from Hell, I believe it is. And so I'm going to have him on. So basically when he got out, he was a, uh, a second force recon guy, came yep. over to first recon battalion, was my platoon sergeant. Great dude. And then when he got out, I think it was either Triple Canopy or Blackwater, one of those companies. Yeah. And he was delivering the mail in Afghanistan. So they had, you know, via mobility, <laughs> going through Hellman, yeah. getting blown up. Yeah. But he, they knew the importance of getting um, the mail to soldiers at the outstations. Out the morale boost is, from that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can't wait to bring him on because I've got all these photos. That's awesome. Compromising photos uh, <laughs> of all of us uh, at a very young age. Um, what was the ultimate decision to, to, I guess, depart active duty, move to reserves? Yeah, so my yeah my first four years were on active duty. Um, I, you know, I think it's one of, everybody's got those stories, but you know, I got back from my first deployment. I was like, okay, I want to do even more. So I signed up, you know, I wanted to go to – Marsoc selection. I was like, this is the next thing I should do. And then I had a lot of time after that first deployment between then and selection. I was like, okay, like I do really want to do this. I do want to continue to grow here. But at the same time, the original plan, while I knew it wasn't going to work out the way I wanted to, I was like, I, there's no way I can be lazy the rest of my life. Now there's like too much, too much growth. And I, I, I can see, I can go, I can go a lot further. I, you know, I just don't know what that looks like yet. So kind of last minute before, uh, before that, I was like, you know what, I'm going to get out. I'm going to stay in the reserves because I don't want to be done yet. You know, this is, is a, it's part of my identity and I, I, I just wanted to still be connected with a lot of those great individuals. So that's when I went to a reserve uh, force recon company um, and started going to school. Um, I think, I think an interesting, I think an interesting story coming out of that was um, my first week of college I missed Mm -hmm. um, because I was with this new reserve unit and they're like, what school do you want to go to? Like any school you want? I was like, well, I, I haven't been to this school or that school, so I went to this school called Sears School. But long story short, I show up to my first day of college a week late. You know, all the teachers were cool about it. And typical, you know, 22-year-old E5 at the time, I think, I drove a motorcycle because I was like, I'm going to save money, and it's 110 degrees in Texas in August. But I was like, this is awesome. First day of college, I get there. School was interesting. I was like, okay, okay, like, I think I got this. Go outside. I'm like, where's my motorcycle? And so, like, first day of school, right out of that other, you know, military training I just finished, my motorcycle's gone. Um, so it was one of those, I was like, is this still part of the games, or did I miss something? Um, so it Stolen. was. 
Yeah, stolen. You're yeah. kidding. And me. no cameras outside this school. I won't name drop this community college that I went to, but I, it was and the the very nice officer on site was like, "You're never going to see this again." But I'll write the report. Like, good luck. And I was like, okay. So like a lot of a lot of interesting experiences <laughs> Thank you. there. You are a true professional. Yeah. And you are great at your job. Yeah. And then uh, and then after that, um, you know, I did like two semesters of community college, and at that time, the uh, the reserve unit I was with was looking for volunteers to do uh to, to do uh, deployments in Latin America specifically like supporting our, our neighbors to the south and their ability to combat transnational criminal organizations. I think sometimes they called called cartels. Um, and that's, I think, those deployments. And I think that's where, you know, not making the decision to kind of continue to try and pursue higher levels, echelons of, of uh, groups within our own military actually really paid off because then I ended up doing two years straight on that deployment. And that's when I met probably one of the best leaders in my entire life, uh, uh, an E9 Master Guns, I'll call him Caesar. I'll, I won't, I won't name yeah. drop his whole thing on this, but that was the, one of the most influential leaders, you know, moving forward after that. Because I show up, you know, first thing I see is this uh, this Hispanic dude, bald, tatted to the gills. You know, we we all knew he was like, you know, he had three deployments before the invasion. You know, did like three or four more deployments after that. The dude was hard. And first time I I, I see him, he's like, "Do you speak Spanish?" So I was like, "I think I said like." speak a little bit yeah he was like no you don't get like get the f out of here and i was like oh great this is gonna go terrible and what i really loved about this guy is he just he just kept putting the right amount of pressure on people and then you know when we were deployed like on the weekends he's like uh hey you know creech come to come to like where wherever i'm staying on this foreign base and he's like we're gonna do some like pme and every weekend he'd have me like figuring something else out figuring something else out that had nothing to do with the job and it was kind of like this continual pressure pressure test with him to see okay is this how much how far can I push this guy? Like, what's his real growth potential? And uh, it it was probably one of the most like developing parts in the military, but also the impact outside the military because this is some, you know, E nine that also had like two masters at that point. You know, was incredibly well spoken, and and I will say like now we're best friends. Now we actually both work at the same company outside of you know outside of the military as well, and we're like he's we're family today, but. At the time, you know, scared to death. I was like, who, who is this guy? I'm like, he's got way more experience than me, but he was so smart. And he knew the way to kind of put the right amount of military pressure on you. But also when he saw people that were really investing in, in themselves outside of the military, that's where he was also like, okay, I, you, you actually see the bigger picture of things. I think what he had accomplished by the time you got to it, the E9 rank was, you know, I'm, I'm needing to speak to the same level, potentially some of the officers or to a higher level. And how do you communicate with them? And that was probably one of the best setups for me for when I finally went to corporate America, because, okay, I've got this leadership experience. I've, I've led organizations of over 200 individuals, like multinational, you know, individuals in a foreign country. But then how do you also then translate all that and be able to speak the language outside of the military and translate all that experience as well? So I owe so much to like, you know, one, like, is scary mentorship at first, but re really turned out to be like the best, you know, like mentorship I ever received for sure to that date. Sometimes it's uh, it's good to be feared. Uh, the great, <laughs> yeah, great yeah. leaders do that. Great yeah. leaders continually, or let me say this, they know when to push. Mm -hmm. They also know when to, to, to let off and actually uh, to reinforce. Yeah. But, you know, one of the best leaders I ever had um, was a guy named Chris Fossil, who's now the, uh, the president of McChrystal Group. Yeah. Crystal being General McChrystal. So he was a mentee of General McChrystal. And then uh, I remember the first time we met Chris, he had taken over as commander of our squadron. Mm -hmm. He's like, hey, I want all the officers. And uh, 
in my uh, office at like 10 a.m. on Friday. Nice. And it was just like, hey, my guys are going out to train. I don't, I don't have time because uh, I always felt like a shitbag and my guys yeah. were out training and I wasn't with them. It's like the prototypical like officer from the movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. you men go forward and I will You this are training, but I can't the, make yeah. it today. AC, AC is calling my name. So, it's, yeah. it's the yeah. band of brothers, that, that <laughs> officer, who's like, I'm going to go to the HQ. Yeah, you yeah. men stay here. Yeah. Uh, so I, I went with the chip in my shoulder, but every, again, it was either 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. Every Friday he'd pull the officers in yeah. and do PME. You said PME, mm. professional military education which could be mentorship, could be coaching. Um, and and he poured into us. And uh, I'll share with you. One day I've got to share this with the world. He, yeah. he was uh, serving in a commander role yeah. overseas in which he probably averaged four hours of sleep a night. And as I was leaving his squadron to go to another squadron, he wrote me a five-page uh, email. Mm. And I still have that five thing. Pages. Will's Yes, Will's read that from Chris Fussell. I mean, the thing is just gold, gold. And he talked about mentorship and pouring into to, to those below you as McChrystal uh, had done to him. And actually, he helped pen the book, I think, Team of Teams, and then he wrote his own book, uh, One Mission. Phenomenal. And I've had a number of those uh, those those mentors, both senior enlisted yeah. and, uh, and officers. Another good one is actually an admiral now, Mark Schaefer. I don't know where he's at, but um, I, I love hearing that in, yeah. in, in the – the military understands that well. The yeah. military has built a culture. It's built a system on coaching, mentoring, yeah. and continually pouring into the generation coming behind you to make you make them better than you were. And, and that's the whole fucking point. And I think that's where sometimes it, in the military and in, in, in corporate America, there's those failures where it's like you're telling people, you like, do this, do that, but you're also not thinking from a talent standpoint. It's like, how can I also create the person that – can then replace me, you know? And in some cases, if you can take your ego out of it as well, like, but this person's a great, how can I actually make them, or how can I influence and mentor them, you know, appropriately? Like, hell yeah, if they end up being better than me, raise, go higher in the ranks than me, I don't want to be the person that, like, hindered somebody's career because my own ego, I couldn't take that. I'm like, this person's special. They could go somewhere. Uh, And I think that's where you see in the military sometimes do. Sometimes ego gets in the way, but sometimes you just have these leaders who are like, I, like they're you know like I'm gonna just you know give them all the information I can possibly give them if they're the person that's open to that good the bad the ugly give them that tough conversation but also give them those little 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 like you know little pieces of wisdom um, and I think that's that's where you can really stand yourself out too because to your point you talked about that five page email I, I I save I have a folder in in my uh, my my work email I call smiles. It's just where I put all those awesome emails, you know, sometimes just to revisit. Maybe you're having an off day. You're like, man, like those are the emails that make this all worth it because, you know, somebody said thank you or somebody wrote this nice thing. You're like, okay. Anchor like, points. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, call yeah, those anchor yeah. points. Yeah, it's a cookie jar. You need, you maybe you need a cookie that day. You're like, go through those emails. No, you're no, like, no, wow, no, no, no. Yeah. We don't need cookies. I here. mean, sometimes you need uh, some <clears throat> pro, uh, protein. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Are they crumble cookies? Because I'm in. I, I've had, um, I had those. They're, yeah. Uh, have you had crumble cookies? Yes. Dude, like Jordan and I did go through this. We, we we went through it last night. We were like looking at the menu. We're like, okay, let's do it. Because we told ourselves 30 days. Every 30 days we can have a a, a crumble order and go crazy. Um, and we're about to do it. And she's like, no, 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 no. We can't. I'm like, damn it, you're right. Yeah. You're right, but they were so fucking good. Yeah. You got to have somebody in your life that's keeping you accountable. So, yeah, credit to her. <laughs> she's yeah, she's yeah, good. Yeah. She, uh, you, you freaked her out last night came to the house, you beat me to the house, and she's, I text you, yeah. she's like, well, who the, 
who the fuck is this 6'1", 210-pound guy at my door? She's yeah. like, oh, he's wearing an Adidas shirt, so he must be. I thought that would help. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, and I did my best, like, hi, I, I think I beat Mike over. So, like, maybe she just knew I was stalking you, and I knew your pattern of life, but she was so nice, too. And, uh, yeah, she threatened to kick my butt, but didn't. I was like, I, I promise he's here soon. I, I just He was going to show me a few things, and I leave. I don't want to interrupt dinner. I'm sorry. So. Well, if, if yeah. Bane was with her, Bane sitting right here, it would be a different story. It was the other one that's very old. Uh, uh, that's that's Dash. Very sweet dog. Dash is, oh, he's, yeah. you know, he's like a walking Chewbacca. Uh, like, he's a great, or I was yeah. thinking an Ewok. Ewok, I, Ewok. Yeah, Ewok. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So at what point did you get military free fall while in the military? Great question. No. Did you get uh, static line? Yes. So It is static line. Hated. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of those things. Another good reason for me joining the military was, you know, I think uh, there's a book uh, Ryan Holiday wrote, which is called The Obstacles Away. Mm-hmm. My friend Chris just turned me on to it, but I, I'm a big fan of all of Ryan Holiday's stuff, like Daily Stoic. But, you know, I was scared of heights before. I was scared of everything before the military. And so you don't really get a choice in some ways. But, you know, my thought was, oh, yeah, um, I'll just go into a recon, a recon company. I'll get in a jump platoon, you know, because I didn't really want to go to dive school. I was scared of that, too. I was scared of everything. But. Um, you know, first thing first, they sent me to dive school instead right away. And I was like, oh no. So, you know, going through the, so pre-dive, you went through MCD. I did, but you know, the pre-dive alone is the most legendary oh, yeah. part. As you remember a yes. two week battalion screener, I think 35 guys were there. And at the end of the day, five of us passed. Um, and, uh, it, it was one of those like, uh, okay. And then you get to actual dive school and it wasn't as bad as a screener. You're like, all right, there's that thing too. Right. Which I think it goes back to like, you know, train, the, train how you fight. So like making that way worse than when you get there, you're so much more comfortable and all the other, you know, activities are a little more easy to, to overcome. Uh, but yeah, so then I, I did go to, to, to jump school. So I was, what do they call it? The Cyclops. I just was like the bubble boy for a little bit. And then I went to static line jump school. Also got over my fear of heights there as well. And then uh, I think that was when I started skydiving outside of the, of the military. I was like, okay, kind of interested in this. My friend talked me into a tandem, and I was like, I really want to do this. So I started getting my A license and getting into skydiving on my first enlistment. That's really where I was like, I really kind of am interested in skydiving now that I'm not afraid of heights anymore. Um, and so free fall, I think, was one of those when I was getting actually making the decision to get out. You know, you get sat down mm-hmm. by a sergeant major. He's like, hey, if you stay in, we'll, we'll send you to sniper school. We'll send you to free yeah. fall. And I was like, I, I, I'm already skydiving outside the military. I, I don't know if that's really going to sell for me anymore. I love how they wait to they're like, oh, you're thinking of getting hurt. Okay, we'll, we'll s- then risk, we'll yeah. send you to yeah. sniper school. Like, well, why wouldn't you send me to sniper school a year ago? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. You got to love the military. Hey, sometimes it's a retention uh, risk, right? They know it works. <clears throat> that some sometimes people that's what they want. So you know what I loved it. So yeah. static line was hard to get when I was at first recon battalion. Really? And um, oh, it was it was yeah. it. So I was a cyclops. Yeah. Um, Heck yeah, man. I appreciate that. But, but yeah. you know, then you'd run into some like uh, log sue or what, yeah. do, what do we used to call them? Uh, like the like ops three or I don't know. A, a Marine that does uh, logistics. Yeah. And they're wearing a, uh, a jump pin. You're like, hey, yeah. how, how'd yeah. you get to jump school? And oh, like, yeah. Oh, well, I was going to get out after eight years and they, yeah. they offered that to get yeah. me to stay in. And you're like, mother. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the one thing yeah. that, that pissed me off about the, the, the Marine Corps at the time. I think yeah. there was a lot of those things where. I thought highly of the Marines and their capability. Yeah. But the old General Al Gray, every Marine is uh, special. Right. Yeah. We are all special. We, you, every Marine is, is uh, <laughs> hey, God bless every yeah. single Marine that yeah. serves in whatever capacity yeah. they are. But there is, when it comes to performance, yeah. capability, and capacity, you've got to bucket people. Yeah. If there's a normal distribution 
with regards to talent, yep. whether you're in recon, you're in the SEALs, you're at a tier one, yep. that normal distribution always always, uh, always exists. Um, so at what point did you get into base jumping? What what made you make, yeah. make that that leap? Because so, I would never do that. Yeah, I so still what, would never do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I was 22 or 3. Okay, there you yeah. go. And one, yeah. yeah, so I, I just got with my reserve unit. I met this guy, and uh, and he was at my reserve unit, but he was also a stunt guy. And he was, like, uh, already a way more accomplished skydiver. I think I had, like, 50 skydives at that point, which is not the right way to kind of progress. But he's like, I'm going to go to this first jump course in Twin Falls, Idaho. He's like, you want to go? And I was like, I just said yes to everything, you know. Um, and, uh, he ended up bailing out last minute. So I just went alone to Twin Falls, Idaho, went through this like four day first jump course, you know, which all of these things at this point, if you look at, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the same way now today. Like there's skydiving equipment. It's all got a lot more rigor and testing mm-hmm. and regulations, mm-hmm. that stuff. Pretty much. I think it always says something like, this is not like a, this is like, this is not a, you know, there's a lot more like wiggle room with all the caution labels and all those things too, because it's, it's not like a sport managed by a really intense governing body. It's more just like some people, some dude in a shed who kind of gives out good ideas <laughs> and it's grown a lot too. There's some really reputable companies, but it, and it was good then too. But yeah, I went to this first jump course, did like 13 jumps. So base is an acronym, right? And this is in 2013 <clears throat> base is an acronym for building antenna span earth span being like a bridge earth mm-hmm. being like a cliff. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just was obsessed with like getting things done. So went to that course, bought a, had a, bought a base rig. And then I was like, I got to get on the, the other objects, which you should not progress that fast. I definitely didn't have that many jumps of any kind that I should be doing it. But I think within like oh, 15 more base jumps, young. yeah, but within doing, you know, within being like 15 base jumps in, but I think by the time I had like 30 base jumps, I had already done a building, you know, somewhere, I'm not going to say where, I'd already done an antenna, I'd already done a cliff, and I had what they call a base number. Um, and there's, a, I think, a group of individuals that could change by now, but the numbers, base numbers three and four, so they're the ones to do the third and fourth time, and I think they were in Houston, that kind of manage it. So you kind of send them a cool letter, like, I did this, this, and this, and they'll issue you a base number. So I'm number 1,752 to, uh, to jump off of all four objects. And that was in, like, 20... 13 or 14 quick, quick turnaround. You know, I was, it was definitely one of those like, okay. And I got away with it. And I think that's, you know, kind of, we'll get to it, but like what led to my accident because it was just, I kept getting away with it. I just kept getting lucky. It wasn't like I was, I was not a good canopy pilot, you know, flying. I was, I could land sometimes standing up, you know? And, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I just kept pushing it and then having a blast with it, you know? And, and people will say, are you adrenaline junkie? I think actually more for me, it was like, okay, how do I do this? I think it was the recon side mm. of me too. Like mm. if you're going to go, not that I would ever do it, like go jump off a building. It's like, well, how do you, how do you get in? Where would you land? Like, you know, taking in data into account, like what's the height, you know, where, what are the winds like? And and I was really intrigued by that too. Cause it was kind of combining two worlds as well. Like recon, ordering something and then, order. Yeah. yeah Reconnoitering. Now you got how me. How do you say that word? Reconnoitering. Recon, recon oh yeah. Well, uh, I was a Marine. So, you know, I, I think I passed our, Spelling for Marines. Well, what, I yeah, remember, yeah. too, the, the last part of yeah. uh, the screener and yeah. uh, enter reconnaissance was spell reconnaissance. Uh, yeah, and I can do it now, but I'm not going to do it on this podcast. Uh, I, I, uh, it's R-E-C-O-N. That's where I leave it. Recon. I was Recon Marine. Recon Marine, yeah. Yeah. There's a W in there somewhere. I think there's like a Z at some point. But, yeah, so got in, moved really quick through that sport. What? So what number jump were you on when you, okay, so you're yeah. in Italy, correct? Yeah. 
in the what region? So in northern Italy, it's uh, Trento. So there's like three major lakes. You know, I think everybody knows like Lake Como. This is uh, Lake Garda. So it's like the there's like Lake Como. Don't know what this one is. And and uh, Lake Garda. And then right near it is this kind of like Mecca base jumping. It's a legal cliff. I think you jump from like around. It's like a four thousand foot elevation change from where you jump to actually where you land. So you can get a lot of incredible fall. And uh, I think my first. So I, I went there with another course this company was running. So it was kind of like, you know, learning to track and do bigger objects, which is something that's not as easily accessible in the U.S., especially the National mm-hmm. Park Services and things like a lot of the places where you might be able to do it. It's not legal. Um, so I got off my third deployment at that point in the reserves. It was 2015. I think at that point I had 90 high 90 base jumps. Probably I got a lot more skydives at that point. I think I had uh, a C license and I think I, I probably had like 300 skydives, but I wasn't current because I was, I just got off a of deployment. So I'd done a few more jumps. I did an antenna. I did an antenna in this area locally, like the night before I flew out. Is my mic working? Yeah. Oh, it's cutting out. But anyways, um, and I jumped with a local guy here. It was an army ranger medic. We did an antenna like the night before I flew out and, and it was a bad jump. I landed perfectly. He jumped, and then his parachute opened the wrong way. He impacts this object, the antenna, and he's just sitting up there. And I was like, oh, no. you know. And I hated heights still, but I was like, I already jumped off this thing. I was like, do I have to climb back up this thing and, and go see if this guy's okay? And so I climbed back up like 200 feet, external ladder to check on this guy to see if he's okay. And I get up there. I'm like, if this guy, I, I hope he's okay. And he's like, he landed somehow. His parachute opened facing the antenna. landed somehow the wrong way and just impacts the antenna. So he's kind of stuck between the crevices. So you've seen a lot of those antennas. They, they're like a triangle shape. You know, they're, you know, yeah. they're like, I think this one was like 240 feet up. And so I'm like, hey, man, are you okay? As I'm like death gripping the ladder at like 200 feet. No, like no safety gear, no ability to climb in. He's like, yeah, I was like, I was like, all right, if I can help get you down, like I'll come back later and like bring some stuff so I can help get your parachute down. He was like, no, no, man, I want to, I want to get it down now. I was like, what? Um, and it's like all wrapped around this antenna. So the guy did most of the work. I can say I was, as I was sitting there death gripping the ladder, I'm just kind of like getting this line out for you, <laughs> getting this line out for you. And, and so, uh, we, we somehow got it off the parachute off the antenna. We climb back down. As soon as we get to the ground, the guy just starts like blacking out. Um, and I was like, Oh no. <laughs> and this, this, this guy, not, I don't want to give too much information on him. He, he was a, a ranger, you know, he was, he was, a, but he was a big dude, maybe like two forty. So I think his size also helped him cause like he didn't break anything, but you know, his shin was cut up and he was bleeding. Um, and this would probably be a sign for me to probably get out of the sport or something at that point. But we were able to get him back, you know, towards his car. So he basically just crawled back to his car at that point with me walking with him. Um, and then he got into his car. I was, like, I was like, you want me to take you to the hospital? He's like, nah. He's like, I was a medic. I was like, I'm just going to go home and like super glue the cut and I'll be fine. But it's completely fine. But uh, that was one of those like, oh, this sport, I like, I know this is dangerous. I kind of like had a few break broken bones at that point too. Um, and then I flew to Italy like the next day to go then, you know, go do this course and really get into tracking. So wasn't wingsuits at that point that I was using. I was using, it's called a tracking suit. Mm-hmm. So it also inflates, mm-hmm. but it's kind of a good first way to start doing it and it was supposed to be my goal was because i was going to college online still at that point was i'm going to go base jump in it in europe until i go broke just using kind of my gi bill and doing school at night and, and i'm just going to really live into this professional base jumping life and that lasted about 36 hours so i land there 
the night before we were drinking before we started this course and and i was like mm, maybe i should get some travel insurance so i purchased this like hundred dollar travel insurance the night before we did three jumps that day first jump i think i got like a 17 second free fall it's on video and i was like this is insane it was really next level that's like a that's longer than a hop and pop and skydive which mm -hmm. where you jump at like mm -hmm. five thousand feet um and then the third jump of the day uh there's some footage too Basically, it's, it's kind of funny. I think I was looking at the guy that was teaching us, and I, he, I was like, any last words? He's like, have a great time. So it's kind of an interesting way to then go do a jump. It was a good jump. There's still, you know, feedback. We're just trying to figure out the tracking and how to do it. And I was I was pretty heavy at that time, so my track wasn't that great. I made a little bit of distance, but beginner, you know. Parachute opened fine. Everything went really well. Um, and I think this goes to the inexperienced part. So then I was going to land in this like cul-de-sac at the kind of the, at like still, you know, pretty high up into this gorge over where this cliff is. And so there's a lot of ways I could have easily landed that parachute, but I was just burning off altitude in like a very junior way. I was just, uh, we call it crabbing. It's where you're just kind of like crabbing back and forth. And so I crabbed and I was like, I think I can go around this tree and land in this cul-de-sac. And so when I was going around this tree, which is, you know, increasing my speed, like one line of my parachute caught like one branch. And this tree was on like on, already on top of like a 30 foot hill. So basically my parachute caught, swung me around the tree. And at that point, my parachute has collapsed. So I probably fell like I, I would say 30 or 40 feet going like, like a pretty hot speed. Um, and then I, I hit and I've slowed the GoPro down enough that I, I can tell you exactly how things happened. And then I hit the ground, my head hit the ground, then my GoPro broke off. I probably bounced another 15 feet and my GoPro bounced with me, not connected me anymore and landed facing me. So then I got all this extra great footage too. But what had happened is um, I, I crushed my right heel. So I kind of impacted to the side I would call it a PLF. It was a pretty kind of close one. And then as soon as my right heel hit, which crushed the heel as the calcaneus and talus crushed together, then as I was falling, my my left knee hit. So then my femur broke right above, like, the, the left knee bounced. I actually thought my elbow was maybe broken, but we have the footage. We can share it at some point, too. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll oh, be putting great. it yeah. in the, uh, yeah. the men's journal uh, editorial. Yeah, yeah and, so, and so then I, you know – uh, tried to get up, saw like a, the weirdest bend of my life, you know, in, in the leg. And so I, I laid back down and people are always like, you didn't make a single noise. Well, I like to joke like, well, you know, from my career as a, re you know, recon Marine, it's like suffering suffer silence. silence. Yeah. But it was also like, I was like, what, well, what am I going to say? Right. And I was, I was definitely in shock for like a solid 10 minutes. And so I, I laid there 10 minutes. I kind of tried to get up again. I was like, oh no, like I can't, I can't move. So I laid there for 10 minutes and I will say it was probably like the most beautiful 10 minutes of my life. Like it was like the perfect, perfect amount of shock, perfect, perfect amount of like, you know, head trauma. And I was like, man, these mountains are beautiful. Like, this is really great. Like it wasn't like that scary at that point. I was just kind of like, Oh, like, well, this, this kind of sucks. So then my, one of my really good friends then landed. He's like, he's like, he's like, Hey, how did it go? He's like, are you okay? And I was like, I broke my legs. And he was like, Oh, you know? And so <laughs> he comes over, a few other guys land in the same place. We'd all kind of planned we'd land in that area. And, uh, you know, none of us spoke Italian. So then we we're like, how do you call 911 in, in Italy? So we had to figure that out too. And so it took about two hours for them to get there. At that point, I lost about like two and a half liters of blood um, internally on the, the femur side. And uh, at, at, in it, conveniently, I think the rig, because I had not taken my base, my base rig off, tourniquet. I turned into a tourniquet on the left leg. Yeah. And so 
Finally, an ambulance got there, and they're like, oh, no, you need to get care flighted. And it was like, okay. So I waited another amount of time. They get there. Um, they didn't speak English. I didn't speak Italian, but I spoke enough Spanish that I was able to say, like, I was like, oh, Dolor, I'm in pain. I like using more words than that because I was more fluent at that time. I was like, I'm in pain. They're like, yeah, okay, we can see that. Um, and so my friends, being amazing people that they are, started filming the whole thing, too. They're like, we're going to document this. So it was they were very nice, but there was some like bot, you know, botched care at the same time. Like they did not put my femur in traction. So you see him like rolling me onto a spine board and you just see the leg flopping and sorry for viewers. It's, we, we don't need to show that part, but you know, making some fun noise and, and cussing him out a little bit. It's like, I know not to do that, but that's just my military experience, yeah. you know, like yes. put it in traction, but also don't strap you down like <laughs> over the broken femur and stuff too. Um, and then they gave, they gave me uh, probably some sort of painkiller, and then I can tell you that was probably the last painkiller I got the entire time, the eight days I was in the hospital. I can go into more detail there, but I'll stop. But the hospital experience alone was uh, another really fun <laughs> experience, too. So they got, got you out of the country as quickly as you could be evacuated that's, to the United States. That's where that travel insurance came in. So I, I, I called no out. They, they questioned it for a second. They're like, well, it goes, it went into effect at midnight and then you, this accident happened like 14 hours later, they were questioning it a little bit at first. I was like, we can question it now. I wasn't that good at words still at that point. I was like, or I can just get a lawyer and we can figure this out later. They're like, okay. So what they did with this travel insurance that doesn't cover base jumping anymore. Good call on them. I, I got a, I got a surgery done in, in Italy. And then they sent a nurse out from Dallas and this awesome dude. He was like a traveling nurse. He does these trips like to remote places with this place all the time. You know, Harley motorcycle guy, buff, like the nicest dude ever. And so he gets there, you know, loads me up with ammonium and, and like liquid Tylenol, which is what I had been on the entire time in the hospital. Uh, maybe my friends snuck some drinks in occasionally here and there because like a third of a beer after losing like two and a half liters of blood, like you're good at that point. So you only need like half a beer and you're solid. Um, kills the pain. Not the right way to do it. I don't condone that. I'm not a medical professional, but it, it worked at that time. And then, yeah, they flew me back to the U.S. and it was the weirdest experience. I've never seen this. So I basically would get pulled into like Lufthansa flight. They just strap me down on top of the seat. So you're about like an inch away from the vents. And then they just put kind of like blinds around you. And this is again, how expensive this whole thing. I think the whole thing ended up being like 60 K for the helicopter, the surgery, eight days in the hospital there. And then, uh, I'm surprised it wasn't more. Uh, well, I didn't have to pay for it. Yeah. That hundred bucks covered it all. And uh, the insurance ended as soon as they, they dropped me off at a hospital in Dallas. And that's where it ended. And then thankfully, my dad knew the guy there. I showed up. He's like, what do you need? I was like, I, I think I, I'd like to try morphine. He did that. And I was like, okay, I don't need that anymore. But because I just did like liquid Tylenol, I was like, that was too much. But uh, they were they were, they were were great after that. And then it ended up being about a six-month recovery after that. They had to redo the whole surgery yeah. that was done there. They had botched the surgeries. They had to re-break the femur and, and redo the whole thing six months later, knee surgery. But it was actually one of the, the beginning of my entire life in some ways because of not only was it was uh, an accident, but it was more six months to sit in bed in my parents' house and kind of think about what am I doing with my life and what you know what do I really want to do with my life too. It was that's when like you know being time alone with yourself to really start figuring out what's next and what should I be doing. You, you you have no other recourse than to, 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 to reassess yeah. things, especially something that severe yeah. where you were you were possibly anxious from yeah. losing your life. Right. Had you when it rotated you, had it flipped you to where you hit your head, yeah. you would have been you would have been done. 
Well, I was wearing a helmet. It hit a hit hard enough that it broke the GoPro off, but mm. just hard enough that you know, Marines are pretty durable. So, yeah, built built that way. Yeah. So you take a six month, well, six months re- recovery. Yeah. When do you get back into? When's your first jump? How long did it take you to? to, to Good I'm question. Su- I'm assuming it wasn't a base jump. It was just a. No. Yeah. So, um, I think I I probably did my first skydive. That was. So that was 2015, 2016. I think I, I did my first skydive probably a year, year and a half after that. Um, and, uh, you know, was was still kind of semi-actively skydiving. And I and I had this, like, thought in the back of my head because at the same time as when I started in corporate America. So that was kind of an aha moment. Like, like let's figure out some other ways to kind of grow up and, and start making, you know, starting that second career. But um, I also thought it, I don't want to leave base jumping where it left off. So I always had this idea of how can I go back to Twin Falls specifically and, and do a few more jumps so you can at least le- leave on a positive note. And that was also where I realized like the amount of you need to invest, you know, the amount of time you invest can also increase your chances of a positive experience. So I ended up going back to Twin Falls in 2018, did like 13 more jumps off the bridge. I, I can say they were all like the most perfect landings because that's all I was working on after that. <coughs> but uh, at that time I was like, okay, that was good. I don't need to do this anymore for now, but at least I know I left this on a good note. So I think I've, I've got like 110 base jumps at this point. But uh, last one was 2018, so I'm not an active base jumper. Say, I say a failed professional base jumper because I was like, I want to be a professional base jumper. And now I'm like, you failed at it, but you learned a lot from it. It's not really a failure. It's more just a funny way to say it. It's Base jumping is, uh, God, there's just so many fatalities. Yeah. it's I've, I've met guys who are like, yeah, I, you know, I started with yeah. about 10 friends, and now there's like yeah. – Six of us yeah. left. I'm like, hey, that's sixty percent is not exactly uh, great odds when it comes to uh, to life. Not great odds. So yeah. yeah, I mean, it gets you in the Hall of Fame as a baseball player. But uh, I don't think we have a Hall of Fame in base jumping. No, so it's you, yeah, it's, you just it's have a very le- you have list. legends. Uh, you know, that's uh, it. Shane. Uh, what was uh, Shane's name? We we just watched that documentary together. Uh, Con- Conklin, right? Uh, Shane McConkey. McConkey. Yeah, Thank that you. one's great. Yeah. Hey, legend, He's, yeah, legend, legend. What, what was the final cause? It, w- it was a parachute malfunction, right? No, so he was he was very innovative. So I think he was doing a ski wingsuit That's base right. jump. That's right. In in Dolomites. In, in a similar area. Yeah, yeah, I was in the Dolomites. In the Dolomites, somewhere else, and and so very technical. You have to be a skier, good probably to even get to that point where he exited. And their whole setup, they were using skis that I think were were much older, but it was a way that that you they could release them. And it did. And one. The, the story is, I think, one didn't release, um, and then, you know, that, that kind of makes it hard to kind of manage your wings at that point. You know, i got to get Miles uh, Dasher on here, because yeah. I know Miles Dasher yeah. was close to him, and, and do do a uh, tribute to yeah. uh, McConkie. Um, probably, and people wouldn't traditionally put them yeah. in this category, but probably one of the best athletes of our era. People just don't. Yeah, and I think that's where you've seen this in all lines of work. Like somebody that impressive, you know, you think is there an ego on this guy? Like I met him a bunch of times at the bridge, some different events. He probably he doesn't know me, but the nicest, most genuine guy at all times. I mean, I think the new Mission Impossible just came out where you know Tom Cruise was doing legit, you know, moto 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 base jumps, right? Like that jumping. Was Miles Dasher. He, I think he was the one like uh, that was uh, helping him through that experience, which. Is uh, yeah, he's he's just awesome, and and you know, thinking somebody that he must have, I don't know, probably ten thousand base jumps. I have no idea, tons, and still here, you know. And I think probably a lot of that goes to how active he is, but 
just how you know how he approaches the sport. I would imagine too. I got to uh, meet him briefly yeah. at the PIA yeah. in uh, in Reno, and then got to meet uh, uh, Jeffro, uh, Jeff Pro- Provisano. Um, oh, for another one of the uh, legends, the Red Bull Air Force. Yeah, guys? yeah, yeah. Uh, the Godfather of swooping. Um, it was it was very quick, but uh, I I've always I've told Jeffro I want him on the podcast. It's just yeah. timing. Um, so your I, I want to hit the, yeah. the the two last things. Yeah. Um, so Miles also helped Andy Stumpf set the initial yeah you know, wingsuit yeah. distance uh, record, roughly around eighteen miles, I believe it was, or somewhere around. Yeah, it was like yeah, which then was broken by a Marine uh, at nineteen miles in, in it was change, about a mile further. Yeah, and then you're going to give this an attempt. Yeah. Um, through Legacy yeah. Expeditions. Yeah. Um, uh, we're aiming for Memorial Day. Yes. Of next year. Um, and you've got basically a nine-month training plan. Yes. Together. Yeah. And I think learning from my mistakes, yeah, I think some people on paper, paper would be like, that's not a lot of time. Um, I probably have, I don't know, 20 wingsuit, ba- wingsuit jumps, uh, skydive jumps, uh, but those were eight, nine years ago. Yeah. Um, the way I view this is one, you know, getting back into it is doing it the right way. We were talking about this yesterday. It's it, it's you know, if you're so going to do this, training yeah. so hard, meet, getting the right coach to help you you get there, and progressing at the right level. You know, wingsuits. You know, the, they start off small, they get bigger, they get bigger, they get bigger, and the com- the, uh, the complexity and like the room for error and and ability to fly them gets you know more more and more tough. But as we know, like. You can't, you can't take shortcuts in anything. So if you're going to do this, you need to progress slowly. You need to continue to get professional feedback and support to make sure that you, you know, any any sort of thing. I mean, we were just jumping, you know, working on our pro license uh, a month ago. And, I mean, we were talking to Brad, who's just in a – it was one of the best best coaching I've ever gotten in skydiving. It was so – I mean, that would be good and coaching for everyone, that is, uh, that is Brad Cole yeah. out of uh, Skydive Deland, who is one of the nicest guys you'll yeah. ever meet, but just yeah, an amazing teacher. And, and he He's gave a me teacher, a, not an instructor. He's yeah. an amazing teacher. Yeah, and, like, yeah. the way he made the progression was so perfect. But he, he told me one thing when we were working on that, too. He's like, hey, I didn't like this. You know, this worked for that. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly how I failed previously. So we're going to cut that right now and, you know, just continue to – have him refine, refine, refine. You know, we left that, we all left that and it, we were, you know, just almost nailing it. And it was, it was one of those, I was like, wow. Okay. And just when you see any get bad habits, having that trusted instructor too, it's like, let's cut that right now and, and, and refine it and fix it. For again, for, for those listening, uh, the pro card is the qualification within the USPA that allows you to jump into stadiums. If you ever watch those, uh, what we call uh, pro teams or demonstration teams, and so we are Legacy Expeditions is standing up the Fulton Bonner skydiving team. We're going to be uh, doing our first jump November yep. 10th in Lake Nona in support of Fulton Bonner and then hopefully start jumping into these public events. But to get the card, you've got to land consecutively 10 in a row within this small box on a drop zone. It sounds big, 20 feet by 40 feet or and something like that. it's not. Yeah, no. And, and, and yeah. my ankle yeah. is still, I think I, I bruised the bone. Yeah. Because I had landed in the box, yeah. but with my speed, it was going to take me out, and I did one hard That's, yeah. stomp with my heel, and yeah. I actually yeah. stayed in the box. Yeah. It counted. Yeah. Um, it counts. And, and yeah. it actually, I did a, another jump into the box, yeah. and that's where I stopped. I think I've got to get, like, two more. Yeah. Um, and I, I, it was a bone bruise. 
Yeah. It was pretty bad. It's, I can still feel it. It's it's a lot better, but that was what, I don't even, four weeks ago? Yeah, probably. Uh, end, of, end of July, yeah. yeah. And it, my, my, my ankle still, uh, the bone hurts, but it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's healing. Yeah, I think I think with all with all of these things too, and and not to, and I think to get back to what we're talking about too, you know, especially after my my accident, I think it set me up for this completely different journey I was never expecting, which was okay, this sucked, your body's gonna heal, but it was kind of also unbe- unveiled a lot of other things I had been dealing with, like that just hadn't thought about, um, you know, from like tra- a training accident, my first deployment, we we talked about briefly, mm-hmm. you know, near death near death incident and other things too. I was like there's a lot going on behind the scenes that I really need to work on, you know, and it's, it's taken me to this point, you know, where um, I think with my purpose and why, you know, we align, I align so much with legacy expeditions too. And a lot of your guys's support and goals for folds of honor is uh, my goal with, with flight for life is kind of what we're calling it is how can I make a positive impact, you know, and, and am I going to be the person that's going to go climb Mount Everest and in like a record time or something like that? No, but I know my strengths. And so for me, the, at the end of the day, like breaking the world record, that'd be cool. Somebody else is going to break in a few years. That's course, just how it good. is. Right? Good, right? right? Yeah. Training the next generation yeah. to be better than Set, set the thing. bar a little higher. Yeah. Continue on. But what's the impact I could have with this, you know? And, and to me, doing something for Folds of Honor, which my whole purpose in life at this point, we were talking about the other day, is I just want to help one more person. Yeah. And so with this, you know, trying to raise money for Folds of Honor is the priority. Um, you know, I, I think we talked about this and we'll figure it all out, but I was like, I would fund this whole thing with my own money, just knowing the impact it could have with Folds of Honor, the impact it could have with the family and children of fallen first responders um, and military, you know, f- providing them scholarships. That's everything to me, you know, because at the end of the day, like that record is going to get broken one day if, you know, and, and I just want to not care about the record, but know that I had some sort of positive impact on just one person's life. They, they don't even have to know, like, Colin did this, and this is where you're getting it from. I don't care. I don't care if they know it's me. I just want to know that somebody else is, is getting a benefit in life that then can set them up for success. And hopefully, at the end of the day, t- you working with you, Will, over here, too, is just in just making that impact. Even if it, the credit doesn't go back to us, like, how can I make yeah. somebody else's life better or help set them up for success to do the same? I know for a lot of people, it's just like, well, you guys just do loud things. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and there is truth to that. You know, modesty. I, 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 none of us can say we're 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 high in modesty. Uh, <laughs> doing what we do, uh, humility. I hope so. Uh, but if you're going to do things that break records, yeah. then they're loud yeah. by by nature. And the reason we take on those those challenges is because they're just that they're a challenge. Yeah. Can I identify or be innovative or disruptive? It, disruptive in a way where I, where yeah. where I can push that bar just a little bit uh, higher. So. Yeah. I'm, you know, I know uh, Andy this week has been doing uh, jujitsu. He's at a yeah. jujitsu camp. Uh, we'll, we'll connect you with him. And, yeah. you know, he's a great coach. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully he can connect you with uh, Miles Dasher, even if, yeah. even if it's for a phone call. But I know yeah. we're going to attempt that in uh, in Tennessee. Uh, I'm excited personally because yeah. September 23rd, yeah. uh, Mike Barker, who we call Boots, myself, Jim Wiginton, and Eddie Conway are going to go set the 43,000-foot yeah. record for skydiving in, uh, in Tennessee. Um, so it comes to uh, Ada, and if you don't mind, yeah, I'm going yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm to start this this story here. So, you know, this whole men's journal thing started after I wrote the book, The Talent War. They did an interview uh, on me. Um, 
you know, the guy who wrote the article, we, we stayed on the phone and talked for, for quite a while. And I went into my everyday warrior philosophy. Hey, we're all warriors. It has nothing to do with a gun. Being a warrior is everything about a mindset. Uh, never accepting the status quo, always pushing to the next uh, next level. And uh, they eventually came back and said, hey, why, why don't you write a call and call the Everyday Warrior for us? And I'm like, hey, why not? That's, yeah. that's a great opportunity. Um, helps us uh, get the word out on, on not only the talent war, but uh, other things, leadership, uh, excellence, uh, resilience. And so the company then came to me and said, hey, we want to start an apparel brand. And we started, it was an eight-month process. Um, we went to a branding agency out of Chicago, SoulSite, which was, these people are so creative. Awesome. Amazing work. And from from everything, they had me tell my life story, my philosophy, yeah. Ada was created. Why Ada? So, you know, you often hear, like, Ada boy, Ada yeah. girl. Yeah. But, you know, I kept saying with the journey, like, nothing, there are no shortcuts, yeah. there are no hacks. Everything, you know, how do you climb a mountain? One step at a time. And we combine that, Ada. Yeah. Uh, how do you build a, uh, a a business one brick at a time, yeah. one customer at a time? How do you grow muscle one rep at a time? And so after eight months of a lot of work with an amazing team, we launched at, uh, I want to say, Will, it was what, March or April of 2020, 21? Yeah. I, I think it may I, have been. I don't know. I'm just saying, yeah. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and literally, we had a press release go yeah. out on a Tuesday. I get a call from a very good buddy uh, who was technically my boss. Uh, and he said, hey, don't spend any more money. And I'm like, and we had had major legal agreements in place. Uh, great company to work with, uh, by the way. And I, I, I didn't even have to ask. I said, okay. I saw the writing on the wall. I think a week or two passed. And he calls back and says, hey, um, we're cutting away a number, one, a number of our portfolio companies. And, and I said, yeah, I understand. I understand economic times yeah. post COVID were, were very interesting. And uh, after back and forth, finally they said, Hey, we, you know, we'll give you this company. And I was actually shocked and humbled. And uh, I said, okay, but I didn't have the bandwidth to, to re stand up at a, and I've held it. I've, I've just, we, I said, I kept it on the, uh, the, the warmer and we left the, uh, the site up um, without ever advertising. Some people would find it, make make a purchase, but, you you saw that I had it approach me and said, "Hey, I'd I'd like to, I'd like to stand this back up and give it a shot." And I've been waiting for that one person to 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 reach out with a, uh, you know, an olive uh, olive branch, and and help me out. And and here we are, and we're about to do a soft launch September fifteenth. Yep, that's the goal. You are taking the CEO spot. I know you have another job. This is this yep. is a side thing. But uh, what was it about Ada that uh, sort of brought you in? You know, I I think. Uh, just looking at it, and, and it's something uh, my own personal journey, my own mental health journey. We don't have to go deep into that today, but you know, I, the the pillars of Ada is my, uh, mental, spiritual, physical, and I know that that's like I think those are some of the three most key parts to you know a grounded life period. You know, like for me, every day it's like, how can I do something from you know my bot? How can I do hard things? You know, do, how can I? You know, I don't want to go deadlift heavier. I don't want to go squat. I don't want to get in my, my cold plunge, you know, but I do it. And I always feel better after that, you know, or, or mental. For me, it's, a, you know, doing breath work or meditation. I always feel even better after that or the spiritual part, whatever that means for people. You know, I think there's there's something else that, that's there too. But I think the way that this is even more perfect because I think there's a fourth thing is community. And I was like, mm-hmm. this literally is all the things I've been thinking about. And now there's this company 
that, you know, you've been talking about it. You like it, there's, there's a time on your part too. And I was like, I, I love everything about this, you know, and I love the, the view of the website. You know, I, you know, it's, it's, it's not your average everyday thing when you would associate it with somebody like Mike and Colin, you're like, is this just going to be a bunch of like, we like all these hardcore things and that. No, I think yeah, it speaks to no. everybody. I don't think it's not, a, it's not, doesn't supposed to just speak to people from the military it speaks to the everyday warrior community. And so when I, those four things, you combine them, community, spiritual, mental, physical, that's the things that I've been working on my life this entire year too. And I was like, I love that. I love that there's a brand around a community that's trying to do, you know, one thing every day, whether one step at a time, you know, one lift at a time, you can, you can go all day attitude, you know, uh, there's <laughs> so many plays on words, but I think at the end of the day for me, it was, I just loved it. And I think I was pitching you some ideas too. And you're like, well, why don't we just do this? I was like, wait, I wasn't like really trying. I, I didn't think of it that way. I was just like, had some ideas of what we could do with this. And I was like, oh, I'd be honored. You know, I, I, I think you're being humble about like, we're going to do this, but I was just, you said it was fate. And I was like, I didn't think about it like that. I just really love what you had here. I thought it was beautiful. And so I can see so much that we can we can do with this, especially, you know, you know, kind of probably the initial launch, you know, there's still kind of some transitions out of the pandemic. And I think it's now a perfect time to, to bring it back to life. And I, I think there's a gap there in the world, not not from like a customer segment, but like what people need. Right. A lot of those things can mean something very different to everybody. You know, physical doesn't have to mean you're crossing every day. It could be doing yoga. Mental can be, you know, maybe you're maybe you're reading books, maybe you're growing your mind, maybe you're meditating, whatever that is too. I think it's it's so broad in a way with the four pillars and the community, the everyday word community. Uh, I think it's just beautiful. One thing I nerded out on all the documents, I went back through everything too. Oh yeah, the root word, you know, like where does Ada come from? From battalion, you know, you think about a battalion, yes. you think community, and I was like, oh, because I was like, did so, did some branding company just like, oh, just Ada, huh? No, it, from a word that's very familiar to us, but you translate it out to everybody, and the Ada, Ada just is the beautiful way to so say it. So you brought up the point, it, it comes yeah. from the root yeah. uh, oh, of I, the I word everything battalion. you sent me. Yeah. I was like, I got to know everything about this. And, and you know, I'm excited about this because, one, I, I want something to be positive. I want it to be for everyone, yeah. regardless of your beliefs. Yeah. And I think people are searching so much for guidance, especially young men and young yeah. women, is for guidance for coaching, for mentoring, more so to have sense a yeah. to have a sense of homecoming and belonging, yeah. and I I believe you can in this day and age build virtual communities yeah. for which people can rally around with a positive me- message, with a very candid and direct message sometimes. Yeah. Um. And and it's an opportunity. I know we've got a ton of work. Yeah. Ton and and to build a community is not easy, but the potential for the impact. Of, I mean, even the kids' book. We were talking about that last night. We're we're writing that thing, and I don't want to say another thing about it. Yeah, yeah. that's. I already kind of started working on it last night. You, you said, and I was like, oh, I I love everything. I'm part of that too. So every time you give me good ideas, I'm like, how can I figure the, that out? So, that one is yeah. not a heavy lift. Yeah. Um, yeah. You should have to find a very good uh, artist. Um, uh, I already I already talked to my sister just to see if she was open to it. She's an artist, but uh, there, there you go. Yeah, but we'll align. Uh, but so. You know, one, yeah. your, your, your attitude and the reason I made that offer is that I'm like, you're, you're authentic, yeah. you're genuine, you're kind, you're empathetic, you're respectful, you're everything I talk about when it comes to a warrior. Yeah. The, again, I'm sure you were a great warfighter and I just, mm-hmm. quite frankly, I don't fucking care. Yeah. Um, but you have a warrior mindset. You're never going to quit. I just want, I, the biggest fear I have is people are going to, oh, it's just, this is going to be a 
military brand run by a bunch of military guys. Yeah. And that's not it. That's yeah. A, yeah I think we've left that. That was our, that it yeah. is part of us, but it is behind us. And I am not a war fighter anymore. Yeah. I, and I, I think to exactly what you're saying, like when I think everyday warrior, I mean, obviously this podcast and a lot of the other things you've done with that, but I think whether you are somebody from the military, maybe you worked in supply, maybe you're a special operations or whatever, whether you're just a mom trying to manage everything she needs to manage every day, you know, the, the thought of one step at a time, like, okay, what one thing can I do today, even if it's not going to be this perfect day where I got to meditate for 30 minutes and then I did like an hour yoga class. Like sometimes it doesn't work out, but how can you just move the ball forward a little bit every day is what I, I think the community speaks to. I think that's what makes it unique because um, I think also the work that we've been doing behind the scenes, you know, we're, we're looking for quality products. We're looking for things that people want to wear, that's comfortable, that looks good, and that's clean. Um, it is a reminder. And it hopefully reminder. puts a smile yeah. on their face yeah. with a reminder when yeah. their day is hard. Yeah. One step at a time. Yeah. I, and we all need them, you know, like even, uh, even yesterday, you know, like I, we, I came straight here, we were working a lot all day. I, I was able to do some stuff, but at the end of the day, I think it was, I was texting you probably still it was like nine at night. I was like, I got to go for a walk because I, I didn't <laughs> work out today. I was like, I got to do something. And so it was just a walk, but it was, I, I was like one step at a time. I was like, just get something there and I'm still moving the ball forward. And I think it's I think it's beautiful, dude. The power of just a uh, yeah. a simple walk. I had some questions for you though too. Oh which shit! I think, okay, I think tie into a lot of our things, and I, I'm willing to to try and answer them as well too. But you know, I think I was thinking a lot about one our community, but I think a part of this community too is the honesty behind everything, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I think when I think about the the, the pillars that, you know that are behind this brand, uh, mental, physical, spiritual, the the community. I think that also goes to, you know, what does that mean for different people? And, and I have some questions around those. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on them as well. Like, so I'll start on one kind of uh, like on the physical side. And maybe it's even from like accidents because, you know, like we've all had like whether it's a car accident or whether you're 25 and you think you're the most coolest base jumper ever and then, you know, you almost die. You know, there's all these, these setbacks. So what was one of your biggest setbacks physically and how did you overcome it yourself? And you can't say one step at a time yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. no, no. So physically, um, whether it's injury, whether it's you know, it well, it, it's let me let me let me preface this yeah. question. Yeah. Um, so here's what my military career looks like up to this point: yeah. boot camp, honorman, yeah. uh, meritorious lance corporal, school of infantry, honorman, go to BRC, yeah. Uh, I'm number three behind two guys that were both Rangers and snipers and both like sergeants Stugs. picking up staff sergeants. Yeah. Um, corporal course, honor man. I get picked up for, I got, I picked up corporal six months in the Marine Corps. Out of boot camp, I picked up six months out of boot camp, which is unheard of. That guys, is actually insane, especially in, in that you're not old. It was just a little bit ago. So, yeah. So then, you know, get picked up for the MESEP program very young as a corporal. Yeah. They send me back to school, go to OCS honor man and actually set three records highest leadership score ever um uh the o course yeah. and uh also there's this british marine sort of beep test yeah and even the drill instructors were, were yelling because i was the last guy out of all the 200 uh, officer candidates going back and forth and, and they said i had the uh, the longest uh time uh ever oh congratulations thank you <laughs> and then um that's a record in a, in a way I guess. And, and so 
then go to the SEALs, graduate BUDS, and I wasn't on a man in BUDS, but there was a question they asked, who would you most want to go to war with? And it's known as the Fire in the Gut Award, yeah. and it was Sorelli. Yeah. So I had had success in the military prior to going to combat, and then you go to combat and we're successful for the first you know six months of our seven-month, or actually seven months of our seven-month deployment, and you start to think you have it figured out and you're invincible. And then uh, a grenade comes over the roof, and it requires one of my guys to jump on it. Yeah. And so uh, the shrapnel through the legs, one I had to get debreeded because the holes yeah. in my legs were deep, and for it to heal out, uh, they had to debreed it daily, which was painful. Um, but it was both physically and mentally getting over that is that uh, it crushed the foundation that I thought I had. And it was a realization that you're not as good as you thought you were, not even close. And somebody had to give their life uh, so uh, for, for you to recognize this. But physically, I had shrap metal in my legs still, and it took me a while to, to, to get back. And the guys were resetting to start working up for another deployment. And uh, I just had to fight. And <laughs> I had uh, Derek Benson was pulling uh, shrap metal out of my legs that whole workup, and then yeah. Derek was killed on Extortion 17. Handsome dude. Handsome. I mean, just like graded everything graded everything yeah and i i think that's where you know it it sometimes that you to me and i'd love to hear your thoughts on that one in reflection it's like my accident or any failures I have in my life i think it's one of those where you know the dark side is the good so it's like if i hadn't have had that experience like the ego check where would I be today? Because, you know, I think sometimes I was crushing so many things, but getting such an incredible ego check, did it, do you feel like it also made you, it got you to where you were today because you also had that moment of, oh, I'm, I'm not perfect or I'm mortal. I'm, I'm, I'm capable of getting these incredible setbacks. It too. was, it was a classic Dunning Kruger effect. I was yeah. on the top of uh, Mount Stupid. Yeah. Think of it. <laughs> thinking yeah, I, I had such, yeah, yeah such, uh, the, again, that I was, I thought I was better than I was. I thought I was smarter than I was. I thought I had more experience than I had. Yep. And that started me down the slope of despair. Mm-hmm. And it took me uh, it took me a long time, probably <laughs> years later and on my 10th deployment before I'm like, ah, uh, okay, I think I'm starting to figure out life. And I think I'm starting to figure out this thing called war. Yeah. And um, by that time, it was, I was, it was like, your, your time's done. <laughs> you're, you're done in the military. Just two more questions. They're all really easy. They're so they're so not hard at all. Um, but again, kind of thinking of, of our pillars with Ada. But have you ever been in a tough place mentally, and what did you do that helped you get through it? So not, you don't necessarily go through details, but like when you've had it, when you've been in those places mentally where you're like maybe in a funk or maybe in a dark place, what did you do that helped you get through it? So it was uh, after uh, I left JSOC. Yeah. They sent me by myself directly to Austin, Texas, where there is no military unit. And so, so for the last two great community. I know. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> and and I wanted that. I wanted yeah. to I wanted to be Take in a silo. I wanted to be isolated. I, I didn't want to be around uh, the military anymore, but technically was still in getting my MBA and I just got dark. I was drinking, I heavily I was fighting, I was womanizing. Um because I was freshly divorced. Uh and uh, you know, suffer in silence. You had said it earlier. Um, it took an individual to say, hey, what the hell are you doing? And connect me with a guy named Dr. Chris Free, mm-hmm. who worked with me for uh, a year. And then, you know, I met my wife, uh, Jordan. So I finally learned the power of just saying, hey, uh, something's not right. I need help. 
Yeah. And so that's what, what truly was my introduction to vulnerability and that vulnerability is not a weakness. It's a yeah. strength. And I could have gotten better a lot quicker. I, I think for me too, I, I had, um, sometimes I forget things, maybe, I don't know, bouncing off the ground or other, you know, maybe too many, one too many explosions, but, uh, I wrote eight rules for myself and my very first rule for myself is it's okay to ask for help. <laughs> I think ego or just scared of what are people going to think for you. But I know with you, uh, I just I recently met Will. I know, like, I know I, I can see it in his eyes. Like I can trust this guy too. And it's like, it's okay to be like, Hey, I'm not winning today. You know? And, and when you find those trusted people, it's, it's okay to ask for help. Um, and if somebody doesn't help you, you know, like doesn't mean they don't care, but you know, it's okay to ask for help. Uh, final question, uh, and it kind of goes along in the, the same along the same lines as the last one too. But I think about the community aspect as well because I think it's so important, right, to find individuals that are around you that you can trust. But you know, just just in life, what would you? Who do you turn to when you need help? Like right now, like if like oh, I got this going, on, I got, I got that going on. You don't have to say names, but who are the people you're like? Those are the people I'm going to go to now that I know care about me and, and, uh, and if I need something business related advice, maybe it's relationship advice, any of that, who do you, who do you go to? So I, I believe in quality over uh, quantity. Um, and so yeah. I, I also believe heavily, uh, heavily in tribe. Mm-hmm. And I wrote about it in the everyday warriors. Yeah. A, a tribe is everything is one Jordan. Yeah. That's my number one yeah. confidant. She's my best friend always. Uh, but there are some things you can't bring to your wife or you don't want to bring. Yeah. to your wife uh, when you don't want to scare the hell out of her when you're like, ah, business yeah. is not going well. Yeah. We may have to cut back. Yeah. So I turned to guys like you, my tribe, yeah. and just simply say, hey, bro, I need your opinion on something. Uh, this is what's going on. This is what I'm thinking. And it's amazing how we can talk each other off a ledge and be like, hey, yeah. dude, you, you've got this. And in fact, if, if I can help you, it, hey, do you need me to, 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 to cover something for you? Um, like, let me send you a, a thousand bucks. I got you. And, and, yeah. That's an extreme case, but no, oh, no, no, I actually tribe. need a thousand bucks too. Uh, yeah, it's not so, going to okay. happen. I'll, I'll you. Times. Uh, uh, a request. But uh, I think that's, ev- I think that's everything too. When you think about it, you know, like uh, it, you, you also don't know everything. And then I've had so many times where I'll finally like, just, Hey bro, I've, I've been struggling with this. What do you think? And it'll give me this perspective. I'm like, what was I even worried about? Like yeah. just getting that other perspective. You're like, Oh, there's such an easy way to navigate this. I just didn't maybe have the tools or resources to think it of myself, but there's, there's always a solution. Sometimes you just might not be able to have it yourself and you have those trusted people you can go to. Mentor. Everyone needs mentors and yeah. coaches and usually yeah. they're the same in their lives. Uh, yeah. If you don't have one, you're basically handcuffing or crippling yourself yeah. to accelerating or maturating or evolving at a quicker rate. Yeah. And I mean, we are products. Great leaders are a product of the mentors and coaches they had in their lives. Yes. If you want to think of... Admiral McRaven, or I'm thinking of, you know, Margaret Thatcher yeah. or Winston Churchill. Yeah. They are all a product of these amazing people throughout their lives yeah. who rarely get the credit for the person that they molded and shaped into the leader that they were. Well, the only follow-up I'd say to that is, I, and I don't know the quote exactly right, but like, you know, the people you see, you know, in today and what they've done, like you don't see all that work that it took to become that person that's in that limelight. You know, sometimes we see those people, it's like, how could I ever be that? And it's, it's having people in that journey that no one ever sees that gets you there. And for, and for a lot of people, they have to understand that uh, I, I actually say it, I'd rather be a kingmaker than yeah. a king. 
I, I, same, same. I, we've one, you stay out of the line. You stay yeah, out of the yeah. line of fire. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. no, I, I, I've, you know, one of the, the most valuable things in life, and it's taken me a, a while to learn this, yeah. is to find more joy in other people's accomplishments than my own. Yeah. And I'm the type of guy I've told, I've said this before, is where like a, a commanding officer after a mission would be like, Mike, that was great, you guys. Like, don't, don't, don't pat me on the back. Yeah. Like, go, go, go talk to the guys. Yeah. Like, I don't need that. I don't want that. Um, and, and I'm fine with that, man. I'd love to yeah. brag about my tribe. I love to brag about my tribe because I think very few people have a authentic, genuine tribe. Yeah. People that will be there when, when things are hard. Those rider dies, you know, those rider dies as, uh, fast and the furious would say. Good. Well, dude, I can't thank yeah. you enough for, for coming on. Yeah. Um, guys go check out live at it.com. Yep. Uh, you're going to see this in the infancy. You're going to see this grow. And I know with the determination of not only Colin, but myself, uh, it's not going to be an easy road. It's going to be a fun yeah. road. It's going to be, it's going to be a journey. We want you to come along. Um, you know, please go make a purchase. I hate to ask that. Yeah. Um, it's, it especially touches out and reaches you in, so on some level. Um, and, and we're also going to be doing a lot of good for these foundations that are helping first yeah. responders, veterans, and other people. So, yeah. um, Go check that out. Again, thanks for joining the podcast. Remember, go to your preferred platform, whatever it is, Spotify, Apple, like this podcast, leave a review. This is how we get better. Please leave your comments. They mean the world to us, and we do read them all. All right, guys, we'll see you next time.